listener production. You don't want to misbehave when Andy Lee is around. If you get sulky over a board game or not going to the zoo, then it's out in the backyard with you. There's no crying in my house. So if you cry, you have to go outside. Andy, who is, of course, one half of the superstar radio and podcasting duo Hamish and Andy. Ham, you you are fighting a battle you cannot win, I promise you My favourite kind of battle, Ando. Agrees that he is the fun uncle, but apparently he's the tough one too. Either way, Andy Lee is definitely a family guy. In our chat today, he spoke about how his mother's rare illness shaped his teenage years and brought him and his siblings closer together. I was really moved by the story of a 15-year-old Andy stepping up in mum's absence to make sandwiches and wash clothes and do the scheduling and help keep the family moving. In this interview, you'll get a taste of the softer, quieter and more introspective side of Andy Lee. I never really thought mum was going to die, even though they told us that. I just didn't believe it. But one thing, it absolutely brought us closer. Up next, The Weekend List with Tate McGregor, where we recommend what to watch, see, do, eat and listen to. But first, here is my conversation with the comedian and host who has been making Australia laugh for more than 15 years, Andy Lee. So, Andy, we've only met a couple of times, but Mm. having grown up listening to you and then through much of my adult life doing the same, I feel like I know you. (laughs) And I know You're painting it like you're heaps younger than me. Are you heaps younger than me? Probably not. (laughs) (laughs) Almost certainly not. But when people say to me, oh, I grew up listening to you. But I feel like I was growing up through my 20s, right? Yeah, it's true. It's not like I was fully formed. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Don't think I'm still fully formed. When I was thinking... (laughs) I think we're all a bit that way. I always think when, when someone says I grew up listening to you, I always think that, you know, you were They're 10. 12. I was not. Yeah, and that you were huddled around the wireless with your family. <laughs> and Dad says, yes, you can put it on. Yeah, just for 10 minutes because yes. we don't want to wear down the generator. <laughs> yeah. um, you're a sensible guy. That's mm. something I know. And that's something I like because I myself am a very sensible person. Mm-hmm. I need to know, were you always sensible? Were you a sensible yep. small child? Yes, I've always been sensible and always had a strong conscience. My dad used to say that whenever I did anything wrong, they'd find out by 10 p.m. because I could never sleep. <laughs> so if they just hear a knock on the door at 9.30, you know, it's like, I've got to tell you something. Yeah. I did this. I'm sorry. I don't know why that was so strong. But, um, yeah, so I was always pretty sensible. Are they... I broke many bones. I was See, that's not sensible. Not sensible. I'm very keen to try things. So my risk appetite was huge, but um, I was ordered. So there's a bit of both in there somewhere. Yeah. Okay. So it wasn't a sensibility born of caution. No, I was. I actually did not have any caution. <laughs> caution to the wind. And Mum one day said to me after she was she she didn't particularly like gap year much. She liked the content, but didn't like what Hamish and I were doing on our travel sure. shows particularly the things that were particularly dangerous. And she said to me one day, I thought you would always do something like this considering how you acted when you were growing up. Like if there was a log going across a creek and we're on, a, you know, camping as a family, my brother would go, let's see if we can get across. You go first. And I go, okay. So I was always the guinea pig for any of those things. Yeah, right. You were the kid that I'm very glad I don't have. Like that child that just <laughs> runs towards traffic and you're like, mate, yeah. not cool. Yeah, exactly. Mum would pack 
three sets of clothes for any day trip that I went on. So that's kind of the 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 hijinks I'd get up to. You're right. So you were you're the middle child, am yep. I right? Older brother, younger sister. Mm-hmm. Were you better at being an older brother or a younger brother? Much better at younger brother. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Unfortunately for my sister, you know, she uh, the only times I used to play with her is if my older brother was unavailable. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you know, I'd obviously check in with his PA to see whether it was available times. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then yeah, then my sister was was the was the backup, which was she was great and fun. But in in our later years, my older brother was actually closer with my my little sister than, and you were just left than out. I was. And I was kind of in the middle, yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't say left out, but um, they had a closer bond. They're actually probably more alike. They're far more emotional and far they're far nicer people than I oh, have, to be honest. Yeah. All right, so you've just said they're far more emotional. Are you not particularly emotional and don't like talking about emotions? Uh, I have evolved in that space, but for a while, no, not, yeah. at, not at all. You know, my sister used to call me the tin man growing up. Yeah, right. Proper no heart. <laughs> if I only had a heart, yes. Yeah. Uh, so didn't, and my dad's very similar. Yeah. Like we were talking, and this sounds a bit morbid, but we were talking about the when um, my dad found out that his dad had passed away. He passed away quite young, so that's 60, 62 I think he was. Um, and I said, did you cry when, yeah, when, when mum, in your, his mum, my grandma called? And he's like, No. <laughs> And that was that era and I kind of inherited a lot of that from my dad. We don't, we don't show emotion. Not, my dad's the nicest person in the world. Um, and I, and I know everyone says that about their, their parents, but my mum's. My dad's not. Okay. (laughs) My, my mum's disabled. My dad's cared for her for years and, and, and he is, is, and he's a primary school teacher and just loves teaching and, and, and seeing kids grow. So it's not like he's heartless, that cold. He just feels that there's a, I think he feels that old school thing of there's a strength to not crying or not showing emotion. Yeah. 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 My husband's a bit like that. When I um, got really sick a few years ago, I, I had a major surgery where they thought I was going to wake up blind. Oh, wow. And they told my parents, my sister and my husband, everyone's crying except Jez, who was just <laughs> Googling where, how to learn Braille. He was like, she's going to want to know how to read. So we'll just get on with that now. I, I, I'm a bit like that. I'm a bit like that. It's just that it's, the information comes in, I, I'll have a moment to go, oh, that's bad, but what's the next steps we should yeah. be doing straight away? Which, again, I don't think was is in, is, isn't good for your body. And mm. I think there is a moment where it catches up with me and it might catch up with Jez as well. But um, where I go, oh, actually, I didn't properly mourn that or I didn't properly give that the time it needed. But in at the moment, no, generally uh, I'm kind of what's the next point of action. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned your mum who's a disabled woman. I mm. am as well. Mm. Um, and I've been really sick since my son was about two and a half odd. What's your disability? And so I've got a recurrent ba- brain tumour. Oh, which my God. The extraction of which has caused a whole lot of yep. issues um, and continues to. One of the things I ask all the time mm. is how is that going to affect my kid as he grows up yes. and when he's a teenager? So this is a really selfish question. Mm. What helped you get through your mum being sick mm. and going through a really significant change and uh, kind of dealing with that uncertainty when you're a teenager yep. and you got other priorities? Yeah, yeah. Um, for people who don't know, my mum had a, a rare disease called cerebral vasculitis. It's like a series of mini strokes in the brain. Yeah. Um, you can get actually vasculitis anywhere. I think it refers to stroke 
I think a stroke normally is in a, in a major artery and blockage, but this is like tiny clots in 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 the in the veins. Okay. Um, and so it shut down parts of her brain. So she forgot how to walk, how to talk, who we all were. So things turned very quickly, and it happened over the space of kind of three weeks. Wow. And what so a huge shock. So a bit of a shock to the system. She was given two weeks to live back then because they didn't really know what it was. I may be wrong on this, but I think she's the first to survive it in Australia. There's some other cases now and they know how to, um, to deal with it, which has been not, it's nice talking about it because um, there was uh, a, a long time ago now that 10 I didn't talk about it for a long, long time, but yeah. about 10 years ago I mentioned it and there was a, a young, much younger girl um, on the Mornington Peninsula who was 20 who had, had, had the same thing and she just wanted to find someone to yes. talk to about it because yeah. there's so a few cases. But, yeah, so at the time Dad and I – took the same approach, which was... We'll just fix this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What needs to be done? I'd go in every day to the hospital. Mum in the hospital for months and months and months mm. um, and go in every day and introduce myself, tell her what I got up to. Felt a bit like Groundhog Day, you know, I'm Andy, yeah. I play the trumpet, I like hockey and have those discussions. And then it, that's where I particularly wasn't great to my sister, I think. She would disagree because she's heard me say this before, but... I went on to trying to run the household, like organising lunches this time. You, yeah, need, right. need, you need to do your laundry at this time and mm. here's a schedule and I like I like a schedule. <laughs> so, <laughs> Me too. It was yeah. full, full support. Yeah. So um, that wasn't very considerate of how my sister was feeling at times. She was also becoming a woman, going through puberty, all these things. When yeah, you need, and her role model's gone. When you need a yeah. mum and, and a female touch around would be would have been really great. My brother was amazing in that space. So those two probably attacked it, the, the the challenge differently, and I was just like, "Oh well, this is what this is the new norm." Mm. I never really thought Mum was going to die, even though they told us that. They just wow. didn't believe it. But one thing, and this might be a, a nice thing to hear, it absolutely brought us closer. Yeah, like we've so we've we were always a close family, but we and I say it to my mum, the silver lining is that we are now, you know, we see each other three or four times a week. Yep. We talk to each other every single day. We, we love catching up. Even when their families have grown, we all get together. And, yeah, that adversity, I think, only that the closest only happens because of that adversity yeah. and, and, and taking on those challenges. So after about three months, she just snapped out of it. Wow. Um, wow. She, yeah. What so, a- journey, not just for her, but for the, all of you around her. Yeah. It was very strange. She obviously had to have physiotherapy and, and occupational therapy and speech therapy and things again to, to kind of get move, moving again, but came back into a household that was now self-sufficient, was now running itself, didn't yeah. need. And that was a real shock to her system. So she ended up actually moving back out, which was the only time I was angry at the situation. Mm-hmm. Cause I was like, we've gone through all this and you don't even want to be here. Yeah. Very selfish, very selfish situation too. Yeah. Uh, from my part, to be to be yelling at someone that's gone through that pretty bad. You'd you be know. questioning what your like what your role is. Yes. Like what's my contribution? Mum was they... doing that for a while. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, uh, so she went back into a rehabilitation center for a bit, and then and then and then came back and moved back in with us all, and and that was so yeah, it was it was a, it's certainly an odd period. I haven't I don't yeah. really revisit. We don't really talk about it much as a family. We probably should, <laughs> but um, so tell me about you at school. I know you were captain of about seven things when you were <laughs> yeah. at high school. What what do you think kind of drove that high achievement? Like, was it were you competitive? Um, were you just enthusiastic? Were you 
popular, I'm, ambitious? Uh, I would say uh, enthusiastic, definitely. Competitive, kind of, in, in, in realms. But mainly I just like trying a lot of different things. I was super into my music, super into sport, never had a spare lunchtime because it was all those extracurricular things going on. And that's, it's not that I had any great leadership, I don't think. It was probably more that um, at school, people that are enthusiastic and, and, are, and are participating in a lot of things tend to end up, <laughs> end up having to uh, be the, the heads or captains of those little areas. I was mm. one of those kids too. I think primary school mother you know, the most important thing was that you had a go, except I had a matching dad who was not into the having a go. He was into the winning. So he's like, there's no point with you. I'm going to just win. (laughs) That is your job. So my dad's the the opposite of that. It's, uh, he just, it's all about having a go. And, um, which was brutal when he used to, uh, umpire my under 12 cricket games because, He'd always give me out because he was so worried about being accused. Oh, the other of, kids. Yeah, so worried about the me, him being accused of being biased towards me. So I remember on the drive home one day, I was like, "That was just not at why are you doing." This? <laughs> oh, you poor thing. So uh, yeah, he he was all about participation. So tell me about the first time that you really thought I'd like to give radio a go as a career. Because if you're the sensible kid at school, mm. like in careers counselling when you're 18, they're like, you should be a dentist. Yep. You know, so how, how did radio make its way in there? It's funny, like, because, yeah, my mum and dad would say I was sensible in some regards, mm. but, you know, I loved pranks and risks yep. and loved performing and was class, class clown but still could, you know, get good enough grades. So it, it, there's, a, there's a probably interesting mix there. You're a real enigma, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. To be honest, it was only when I met Haim that I think that this is what we're going to do. Yeah. We met at uni and, and he, and we're making each other laugh immediately. And then we found when we're in groups, we're making everybody laugh. Mm. And that's where it was kind of, hang on, I think we should be leaning into this more. He was doing commerce science, I was doing commerce arts, so I didn't really have to go to class to pass, and he did. <laughs> so he took a bit more convincing to to do it. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that uh, we, we, we tried our hand. Now, you've worked together for years and years now. Mm. What do you think is the most essential ingredient to being part of a successful duo? Not necessarily yeah. for you two specifically, but for any kind of pair of yep. successful people. My my joke answer is snacks. Make sure you've got. <laughs> <laughs> no one can be angry. <laughs> Make sure you you put uh, the the right amount of consideration to what you're having for lunch yep. each day. Yep. Uh, which I do think is still a very good. Not even though it's a joke answer, it's still very important because Hayman. Yeah, and I, super sensible. Um, look, I I would say um the the boring answer is just a mutual respect for yeah. what either person wants to do, and that's what's unique about I think Hamish and I relationship is. Unless both of us want to do it, it's it's a no. Yeah, okay. You don't have to opt out. You have to opt in to any idea or any show or any opportunity, which is nice. It it doesn't you don't breed any resentment with that. So there might be a big opportunity that one of us wants to do. And if the other one says, Oh, it's not really for me, it's the end of the conversation. Yeah, right. It's, That's hard though, if you're the person who wants in. It's really hard, but it's also you understand the bigger game. I mean, this is 20 years now that we've been doing this and with, you know, almost zero fights because of this 
feeling of like, well, I respect that. Like why, why would I, if, if you take a step, another step back, why would I want to make you do something? Why would I want to perform and, and something that's meant to be fun and, and knowing that you didn't really want to be here, that's not going to get the best performance out of, out of either of us. And we're always in our special place and our happiest place when we're just pumped to do something. I think that's been a really good rule for us to both just abide by. And we kind of established that really, really early, which is a weird thing to do. It's just two mates from uni. But um, that way uh, there's just no room for resentment to to grow. Mm. There's no what ifs moments because unless it's something we both want to do, it was never an opportunity anyway. Yeah. There's a real maturity to that though. You know, you were saying why would you want to do something with someone if they didn't want to do it? Mm. That makes perfect logical sense. But the number of times I drag (laughs) my husband or my sister or someone I spend a lot of time with Mm. to something they don't want to do. Yes. Like my husband now is onto his toes to count the number of times I've taken him to a musical. And there is no, (laughs) zero desire. I'll go with you. I love music. Please. But that's the whole point, right? Mm. Once we get there, I don't actually have a good time (laughs) because I know he doesn't want to be there and I hate him for it. Yeah. Um, But I do think it takes a level of insight to Mm. go, well, actually that's not worth it and I'm going to give up something that I really, really want to do because I know it won't work with this particular person who I care about. Yep. So my awesome producer, Tate, was doing some excellent research on you before this chat. And you are an uncle to two nephews, Mm. Fred and George. Yes. And another one, Kit. Oh, see, I was so focused on Fred and George because they're the names of the twins in Harry Potter and I wanted to know if your family are just mad fans. <laughs> I know, that's sorry, really funny. Kit, sorry, No, Kit's new on the, he's on the other side, but Fred and George belong to my sister and my best, one of my best mates from school, she married one of my best mates. Really? Which, which okay, we've re- got to talk about that. Which really makes me think that uh, were, were we friends at all or was it just some <laughs> elaborate ruse for him to be able to Good hook up with my sister? It <laughs> it's a long play. Yeah, we've been we've known each other since we were eight, so it's a good 20-year slow play. Of Congratulations a- <laughs> if that was the case. <laughs> um, Fred and George, I didn't read Harry Potter. None of our family really did. I know it sounds crazy. It does. And we hadn't watched any of the films and it was only after it came uh, to fruition and people were writing, in, oh, my gosh, it's a Harry <laughs> Potter reference. I still don't understand the reference because I still haven't seen a Harry Potter film. Or They're the best book. characters. Are They're they the two really? best characters. And are they brothers? Yeah, twin brothers. And they're All the right. funny ones. They're the ones who start a joke shop when they leave school. And are they, oh, are they Alfred? Is it Alfred or just Fred and George? I think it's just Fred. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so there's um, we've got George and Alfred, but he's okay. just Fred. But he yeah. goes by Fred. Are you the fun uncle? Uh, yeah, I. But I'm I'm also harsh uncle. <laughs> so you're not. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a set of rules that if they come and stay at my place, that um, they have to abide by. Yeah, fair um, enough. Like there's no crying in my house. Oh, hold yeah. on, hold on. That's a bit rough. <laughs> what if what if someone breaks a bone? That or... you're allowed to do that. Okay. Um, no, you're, not, you're, not allowed, you're not allowed to break a bone. Well, you can't break a bone. Doesn't apply. You are uh, no. If there's there's no tantrums. There's no cry. So if you cry, you have to go outside. Um, wow. And I just close the door. You're harsh. And and one day, George was. Um, I think he wanted me to go play cricket with him again. I said, No, no, we've played cricket, mate. It's time for you to have a bit of time on your own, and I'll get out a game if you want it. And he started crying. I said, No, you know, you know the rule. Outside and, and he went outside and he, he turned to me and said, but I want a hug. Oh, And I darling. said, well, go hug the pillar outside. Oh, right. no. So he's gone outside <laughs> right as my sister and her husband come home. And, she, and he's hugging me. a pillar? He's hugging a pillar outside. 
<laughs> and then went, what's George doing? He's like, right, yeah, this doesn't, um, yeah, you might not know the rules here, but there's no crying inside the house and I wanted a hug. Um, I have tried so hard to raise my little boy to be a kid who's in touch with his emotions, mm. who's not you and not my husband, <laughs> yeah. basically. And I was so proud of myself until it started biting me in the ass. Mm. And now he's got too many feelings. Yeah. Like. <laughs> Mummy, when you say I can't have a second dessert, it hurts my heart on the inside. Well, I don't care. Brush your teeth. (laughs) That's great. They're awesome. All three of them are awesome to hang out with and they kind of are no fuss because of the rule. But we also then have a lot of fun and maximum hijinks and and get up to trouble and adventures and all that kind of stuff. I think Beck and I had them for four days or three days while, um, when they were four and two. Oh, while, that's a lot. While, um, my sister and her husband went away on a little vacation after having kids, you know, uh, yeah, which was nice. And they, but they were, they were awesome. But you, I think you need the heavy hand if you're going to survive those little moments. Yeah. It can't be all good times if no. you're going to do three days straight. Um, so you mentioned Beck, tell me, and you can embellish if you have to, to yeah. make it better. Tell me about how you met. Like I'm looking for bucket loads of romance. Um, I won't embellish because it's still a pretty good story as it was, but I was in a cafe. My usual routine was back when I was single was wake up and and normally go have breakfast uh, every single morning, never cook for myself uh, at a cafe and uh, just jot down ideas, write stuff. And I was writing some stuff for the Arias because Hayme and I were hosting um, some bits. Yeah, she was the waitress. You, she, Zac Efron, yeah, what's with everyone hooking up yeah. with the amazing waitresses? Well, Zach, Zach stole it from me. The, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and she was a terrible waitress, terrible waitress. I saw her, I saw the people next to me, they were chatting and they went, do you think she's forgotten? No, she wouldn't forgotten. Maybe they're just busy. No, no, no. <laughs> and I turned and I said, hey, guys, I think she's definitely forgotten. You should ask again, even if doubt. So they called her across and they said, how's our meal going? She's like, oh. You could see that look on her face, like, oh, no. oh, my gosh. And she went back. She goes, I'll just check with the kitchen, which is the biggest lie that any waitress yeah. always says. Yeah. Comes back and says, yeah, this, what was it again? Just so I can check with the kitchen. <laughs> like, she hasn't even put the order in, guys. Yeah. So I had a laugh with that that couple to the side uh, saying that she mucked that up. And she came and took my order. And I just wanted opportunities to chat to her. So... Uh, but she it was a busy day, so she never really came back. I ordered a tea as a follow-up beverage just uh, so I could that's get... That's just that I want to sit at this table a bit longer <laughs> yeah. beverage. <laughs> yeah, um, and I never ordered tea. So at the end of it, she was pretty busy, but I, I left a note on a napkin. Oh, and just, that, that's uh, proper romance. Yeah, well done. And uh, and said something along the lines of, uh, I, I, I bet you have hundreds of boyfriends, and, and if you do... Tell them they chose wisely or or, or uh, I can't remember what it was, but if you don't, please contact me. But I'd left my email address and I was told that that is a terrible thing to have done. That is a bit weird. Feels a bit formal. Mm, it was fan mail at hamishnady.com. No, oh, it wasn't. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was going for that. No, and so she didn't like that, but but I didn't want my phone number being like if she just had it and I didn't really know what kind of person yeah, I was yeah. or, or if she was throwing it to someone else or or, or if that she didn't pick up the napkin at all. I just didn't want my phone number being out there and I wasn't on Instagram or any of those social media things. So I don't know what the next Yeah, part, email's part probably is. an expert. Yeah. All right, I'll, I'll allow it. I'm really good at planning wedding proposals. Right. Would you like my help? <laughs> oh, jeepers. Uh, this is a slippery slope for me to go into, but if you've got an idea... 
lay it on me. I'll email it. Okay. Right. Andy, thanks so much for being on the weekend briefing. Cheers. So good to see you. I would love to stay and chat with you folks, but I am already YouTubing proposal videos and deliberating over table settings. Thank you for making time to listen to my chat with Andy Lee. Don't go away. Up next, it's Tate McGregor with The Weekend List. Thank you for sticking around for The Weekend List. You will not regret it. This is where I am joined by Tate McGregor to tell you what to read, watch, listen to, I don't know, cook, see, do, podcast, whatever it might be this weekend. Tate, welcome. You've got something for us to get out and about and get involved in. Oh, yeah. Um, I went and caught Daniel Sloss's comedy show on the weekend at Enmore Theatre. For those of you who don't know him, he's a Scottish internationally renowned comedian who has two shows on Netflix and an HBO special and is best known for his set called Jigsaw, which is essentially like... He kind of likens relationships or just life to a jigsaw puzzle and fitting that special someone right into the middle of it as though they're a piece that will fit your entire life when really you need to change your life to fit this jigsaw puzzle piece. And that set alone has broken up thousands of couples. Like, I kid you not, (laughs) there are stats out there about how many couples this man has broken up. So I was super intrigued to see what he'd be like live. I went and caught Hubris, which is touring Australia for the next two weeks, and it's really great. He really toes the line of, like, politically incorrect, but he does it in a really intelligent way and points out that if you're uncomfortable with a joke, it's not the joke you're uncomfortable with, it's the truth within the joke. So if you're looking for kind of a laugh that you're wanting to stifle because you feel bad for laughing, but you know it's actually a really well-told joke that's well-woven. Daniel Sloss is the man for you. Jamila, you've been going back into the archives of some television recently. I sure have, Tate. So my recommendation today is to go and watch some reruns of RuPaul's Drag Race because the Australian version launches today like today, today, on Stan, and you will want to be fully immersed in the vibe. I personally recommend going back and starting with season four, but look, mate, there's a lot of seasons for you to choose from, a bunch more from All Stars and the UK and Canada and more. So get your RuPaul on wherever what? wherever it suits you. That's no excuse. You should have seen what me and Ru were on yeah. at the limelight. <laughs> it's all behind us now. We're on uppers, downers and candy corn. What's the sell for season four? I think it's when they got some money. That's my (laughs) sell, right? Because you've got this TV show that was a bit of something they were clearly taking a chance on and there's not a lot of budget. And season four is when it comes into its own and the set is blinged up, the queens have got more money and it's got real personality. You've got the best producers in there. My recommendation, start there. But seriously, you'll be going all year if you're actually watching all of them. Oh, I cannot wait. Well, Jamila, I have an album I want to get across your table. You might remember uh, Julia Stone from Angus and Julia Stone. Sure do. How could we forget Big Jet Plane? Chateau, Mango Tree. She has a solo act, just Julia Stone, and she's back with her third solo album. It's been, I think, her last album was out in 2012. So it's been a long time in the making. This one's called 60 Summers. And I love the story of how the album title came about. She was one day out with her friend partying during the summer. They go to these amazing, crazy parties. And her friend turned to her in the middle of the dance floor and said, Julia, can you believe that we only have 60 summers left isn't that sad 
And then she realized how fleeting her life is and how she really needs to like stick it to life and live the life that she wants to live because 60 summers isn't that much time. So this album itself is more of a pop synthy vibe than the folky Julia Stone that we're used to. She talks about, you know, you know, fiery love, longing, loss, the whole spectrum of emotions. So if you're into a listening party this week, I would definitely listen to 60 Summers by Julia Stone. I love the sound of that, especially because it does sound like the vibe's a little bit different to mm. the Julia Stone that we're used to. Yeah, it's really showing her as a, like more facets to this gem of Julia Stone. It's a way we haven't seen her before, quite frankly. Jamila, what else have you got for us? Okay. This is more of a public service announcement than it is a recommendation. <laughs> Good, we but love it. To hear is it is very, very important. Mm-hmm. Mother's Day is coming up. And for those of you who are fortunate enough to still have your mum around on this earth and in your life, buy her a decent gift. Yeah. That's my yes. PSA, everyone. Buy a decent gift. What that means is nothing pink, nothing pink. No cheap supermarket flowers. And I'm not saying that to be classist. If you want flowers, you can go and pick some Mm. from the neighbour's garden, for example. Those come for free. Don't buy cheap supermarket flowers. No candles from the newsagent that don't smell very good. Sniff your candles before you buy them, please, everyone. No slippers. No dressing gowns unless they're those, like, super fancy kind of like you get in the hotel ones. You can get them from Country Road, everyone. Anything homemade is always a winner because it genuinely is the thought that counts with your mum. That is not the case with anyone else, but it is with your mum. So if it's homemade, especially a homemade card, as long as it's something that I don't have to wear, I don't want something homemade that I have to wear out in public because that's embarrassing. So don't do that. Your mum is one of the critical people who made you who you are today. She deserves a decent gift. Correct. You preach it. Homemade flowers, even. That could be an idea. I love it. I love it so much. Folks, we would love to know what you are listening to, reading, watching. Please let us know at The Briefing Podcast on all of your socials. That's it for the weekend briefing today. To make sure that you never miss an episode of The Briefing, get your hands on the Listener app. You can download it now and you can get radio, podcasts, music and news to keep you company all the time. You won't need any of them, though. You're just going to need the briefing. And we will be back Monday morning with Tom and Annika, bright and early, with the latest headlines in your headphones. Listener.